Welcome to the So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Hello, 4th fam, and welcome back to the So What Do You Do podcast. Today, we are speaking with Max. I guarantee you, this will be one of the most interesting, but also just different podcasts. I always want to bring you interesting, unique roles, and Max is actually in fire restoration. He works with communities in Montana. He actually studied this in school during his time in Missoula, Montana. And I just really think you're going to enjoy this conversation, talking a little bit about his background, what he's done, all the places he interned with, and what he does today. So sit back, relax, and I promise you, you will enjoy this interview. All right, everyone. So today we have Max on the episode. And so Max, if you would introduce yourself and tell us what do you do? Yeah, my name is Max Rebholtz and I work in Missoula County, Montana for the Missoula County Office of Emergency Management. And my job title is Wildfire Preparedness Coordinator. Okay, this is so exciting. So Wildfire Preparedness Coordinator. This is going to be by far, in a way, one of the most interesting jobs that we're going to get to discover on the podcast. And I'm just so grateful that you're here. And so before we jump into the nitty gritty and and kind of understand what it is you do in Montana, um, I want to hear a little bit about your background. So if you would tell us maybe what you studied in school, what you did right after college, and really kind of leading us up into this job that you're in right now. Sure, yeah. So I received my bachelor's of science degree in ecosystem restoration and fire sciences from the University of Montana, which is in Missoula, Montana. Um, During college, I worked for this nonprofit, or it's more of an AmeriCorps program called the Montana Conservation Corps. And um, with them, I did different vegetation projects like forest thinning and we uh, invasive species control. From there, I worked for the Forest Service outside of uh, Yellowstone National Park. And then I also worked for a uh, private restoration company that was in Wisconsin. Okay. And I think those experiences led me to this job I'm in now. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like based on what you studied and all these different, you know, internships and jobs that you've had that are all kind of in the same bucket of, you know, environmental uh, restoration, if you will. Um, It sounds like you kind of knew that this is the path that you wanted to take. So tell me a little bit about like what, why this field, like did something happen in your childhood? Did you get a chance to, you know, research something? Talk, Talk us through that. Yeah, so I guess it started in high school. Um, you know, I wanted to work outside, you know, for my summer jobs. I I didn't want to be inside working at like a retail store or whatever. Mm-hmm. So my town, we had a lake and um, the lake, we had a bad invasive, aquatic invasive species problem, you know, weeds to the point where um, certain points of the year, you couldn't even drive a boat on the lake. You couldn't swim in the lake. 
the fishing really went down. That really affected the economy of the town. You know, it was, was Pewaukee, Wisconsin, was reliant on the lake for mm. tourism and for economic income. So I was like, well, what can be done to help remedy the situation and make this lake prosperous again? So I just started asking questions of what can be done to make this better, to make these environmental conditions better that would then make maybe the town's economy a little bit better. So I did some research, you know, um, in colleges and talking to different people. I learned that the University of Montana has a really good restoration program, right? Because it's kind of about restoring impacted landscapes to their uh, trajectory that they would have been at prior to, you know, human influence. Mm. So I did some research and found out that Montana was one of the more accredited schools and um, just talking to people, you know, people are like, Missoula is a good spot, cool area, it's pretty inexpensive. It's actually very inexpensive in-state tuition and I, I want to be, you know, in the mountains and have more of an outdoor, you know, recreation type lifestyle. So I mm-hmm. just kind of hucked it over there. I was like, yep, yeah, this is a cool spot. And I'm going to stay here. And then just through the schools and the different networks I made through the schools, it kind of, you know, led me down this path of getting more interested in, well, then I guess I started doing research and in, in job outlooks, you know, I was like, okay, like, can you make good money doing you know, restoring lakes and rivers, mm-hmm. and you can, but it takes quite a bit of school experience, engineering degrees, and um, master's degrees, and as you know, just from the job research, it looked like you know, fire was kind of more of a. There's more jobs relating to wildfire. Um, they tend to pay pretty good right out of school, and I don't know. I mean, fire is just interesting. It's you know, human nature will just kind of be like you're sitting around a campfire and everyone's right. eyes are just glued on the fire. It's just fascinating to watch. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, I wonder how, I wonder how we can better incorporate fire in our restoration practices and um, just be better adapted to live in fire-prone landscapes. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So I, I didn't actually know that part about your backstory around, you know, Pewaukee Lake and seeing kind of the devastation that was happening there. And, and really, I love that you say, you know, it did create a deficit, you know, for the economy when you think about our, you know, environmental tourists, you know, whatever it may be, fishing, that if people can't do those things, then they may not be visiting your town and, and um, investing in, in that area. So I love that. One quick question I will ask, your program that you studied in Missoula, does that program exist other places, like around the country and other schools that you know of, or is it really specific to that part of the country? Um, you know, there's a few other programs at colleges throughout the country. Uh, Missoula just happens to be one of the top areas in the nation for fire science research. Mm. Uh, California has some different programs like around Berkeley and around LA. Mm-hmm. Colorado does too, uh, Colorado Springs. Um, but again, just kind of when I was doing my research, it was like, well, California is an expensive place to live, expensive place to go to school. Colorado is getting there and right. now is there. So they, 
Montana just for me seemed to be the most economically feasible and so yeah there, there is others but it's not like widespread throughout the country. Sure. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. And obviously, California makes a ton of sense in any of those areas where they may be experiencing those things at a high level, um, then obviously that makes sense that there would be degrees there. Um, and then you mentioned you've had a plethora of experiences, both internship and part-time and, and student work. Um, but what you're doing now, you said you're in Missoula County um, in Montana, and um, I would love to just kind of understand what you actually do. So moving into the second part of the podcast to understand what is an average day like? Um, you know, maybe what's the fav- your favorite thing about your job, your least favorite, like really paint the picture for us. If someone knows absolutely nothing about what it is that you do, can you talk us through what it is that you actually do in your job? Yeah. So I guess I'm packing back to like, what's an average day? You know, my job duty is really very throughout the season and I think the best way I can describe this is by looking at it through the lens of what I do before during and after fire season mm-hmm. so before season before the fire season it's a lot of uh, outreach um, planning where um, I'm gonna send wildfire mitigation crews to go work on private property um, performing wildfire risk assessments which is visiting with landowners throughout Missoula County and advising them on ways they can best prepare themselves, their families, and their property for wildfires, and then just lining up homeowner projects um, to get mitigation work done. During wildfire season, it's assigning the crews to the properties, like getting, you know, getting them lined up, getting work done, um, creating prescriptions, um, treatment prescriptions for the crew to follow for specific properties. So, you know, it's kind of me just like detailing exactly what needs to get done and what's agreed upon between the landowner and the crews. And then um, it's also spreading fire prevention messages, messages like one less spark, one less wildfire, smoky bear type messaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, also participate on our local all hazards type three incident management team as a public information officer. So during fire season, they all go out on on wildfires and kind of help spread public information about what the fire is doing, um, if evacuations are necessary and different uh, messages like that. And then after wildfire season, it's more of a like grant writing to help homeowners financially accomplished mitigation projects through cost share programs, and then just kind of staying current on trainings and uh, begin planning for the upcoming wildfire season. Gotcha. So it's, so it sounds like from what I can understand, and you mentioned this at the beginning, you know, you wanted to be outside, you wanted to be working with people. It's a lot of community engagement, both from the prep standpoint for getting people ready and, and having, you know, risk assessment, talking to the community, but then also during fire season, a lot of community interaction. And it sounds like even after when you're talking about trainings and um, kind of evaluation, would you say that a big part of your job is kind of that one-on-one or not even one-on-one, but just interaction with the community? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, yeah, so we have different, you know, neighborhood councils, HOA meetings, community discussions. So I have to do a lot of public presentations um, mm-hmm. as to 
what it means to be prepared for wildfires and what it means to be living in a fire adapted community. So it's kind of informing those those people at these community meetings about what they can do to best prepare, what resources are available to them. Yeah. And um, so a lot of public presentations, and then yeah, it's a lot of one-on-one meetings too. I encourage people to sign up for these wildfire risk assessments and then through that, just meet with them on their property and actually walk them through the steps as to, you know, what they can do and what they need help accomplishing. Gotcha. And so is there, I know you mentioned it like before fire season, during, and then after. Is is during fire season typically what you would call like your busy season or is there a different season that's a little bit busier for you and your work? You know, I would say before fire season. So I so in Montana, I characterize fire season as being like late June through really mid-October, even late October. Mm-hmm. So my busy season is really like mid-February through June, just a lot of meeting with landowners and uh, getting work lined up. And that's kind of like the more nitty-gritty of like preparing this work for my job. And then mm-hmm. during wildfire seasons, I kind of transition into more of I still meet with landowners, but I also am available to go out on specific wildfires, not just in the area, but in the just around the country to go out sure. and kind of assist assist in um, response and then that public information side. Gotcha, gotcha. So, given all that information, um, it sounds like, and knowing you personally, like you're probably you probably really enjoy you know meeting with the the community and and doing kind of the response and giving the presentations and really you know doing doing your job now is there anything about your job that maybe you didn't expect that you'd have to do so much of and you don't like as much as that work or is there anything in your job that's kind of like your least favorite or your most challenging well i mean when i was in school i did not really imagine myself doing this many public presentations um (laughs) I was thinking that this type of a job would lead more to like strictly in the field kind of work, you know? Um, so that was a surprise for me actually was like how much public interfacing was needed and, and is continually needed. The hardest part, just kind of the nitty gritty stuff is just trying to entice landowners to do the mitigation work on a large community scale. Um, it takes a lot of effort and education to get people excited about doing the mitigation work and preparing their properties and themselves for wildfires. So, I mean, say you have a hundred homes in a particular area, you'll always get 10 to 20% of the people interested and engaged and actually wanting to do something. Um, but to make a widespread impact towards creating these communities adapted for wildfire, you really need all those homeowners and all lands participating to uh, create um, these fire death communities and to restore fire resilient landscapes. So mm. that's the hard part is you're always going to get some, but you really, it's a collective impact and it takes, it really takes everyone to kind of really drive these train, uh, drive this train and prevent, you know, widespread fire destruction. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think it, it probably is frustrating at times. And like you said, being the most challenging, it's probably frustrating when you feel like you're doing the research and the work, but if, if the commu- 
to your point, if the community doesn't buy in and say, yes, we're going to all work together. And like you said, all community members, all homes, all land, then it is a challenge, I'm sure. Um, and then the flip, the flip side of that coin is what is your favorite thing about your job? So um, your number one thing, if you could do it all day, every day, what, what would that be? You know, I would say just the variety of work that I do. Um, you know, it really fluctuates throughout the season. So it's not really like an average day. You know, I don't just show up to work and one day and do the same exact thing, you know, even the next day in some mm -hmm. cases. Um, but I would say I really enjoy going out on, on incidents like wildfires mm -hmm. and going out on, on other type of incidents too. I mean, you really get to see the the operation side of things and the decisions that are being made to help protect communities and other values at risk from destruction. Um, plus you end up making a good, you end up working a lot of overtime. So then your, your paycheck sees a pretty significant increase whenever you go sure. out on those incidents, but it's pretty fun, um, you know, going out there on those incidents cause it's kind of, you know, it's an intense working environment. You're working, 16 17 hours a day for 14 straight days mm -hmm. and uh it's the time the time flies and you meet a lot of new people you establish connections all across the country and you, you just that's just kind of where the rubber meets the road but yeah. i really enjoy that that's cool that sounds very intense like it makes me think like i don't even know i don't know if you've seen the movie um or the show uh what's it called um longmire have you seen this the show longmire I, I haven't. No. Okay, it, it's based. It's actually based in Wyoming, but it, either either way, it, it's about the sheriff, and there's always something going on, you know, fires and crime and all this stuff. And it really, it may, you make it sound like a TV show. I know it's not, and it's it's real life, and it's crazy. It just sounds really neat for this type of job for someone who really wants to be outside, work with their hands, be a part of impactful change, especially in their community and in the environment. I think this is a really cool, um, a really cool role. And I love that we're uncovering it on the podcast. Um, one question that I get from students and clients around figuring out if a role is good for them, like they may see a job posting, they may go through the interview process, but they're nervous to accept it or they don't know if they'll like it, et cetera. How did you know that this job was right for you, whether that be when you were interviewing for it or early on when you started it? Um, well, I saw the job posting and, you know, reading the job description and it kind of, it fit with my personality and being able to kind of just calmly engage with the public. And um, I mean, a lot of cases you're kind of selling the work, you know, like people realize that there's, they should be doing something, but you know, you just kind of balk at doing stuff. So you're kind of having to sell the work. And um, I feel like I have a pretty good ability to make a, a passionate plea for mm -hmm. people to do stuff. Um, so I was really interested in that. And then, um just staying flexible when I was on the job you know just being open to new opportunities I thought was uh w w was helped really make me click in terms of like figuring out this is what I, I like and I really like just you know being flexible in terms of like hey there's you know we need people to go out to this fire say in California or Colorado or also in Montana 
and then you get to kind of travel and then go out on those type of incidents and kind of you know just lend a hand and, and help out you know when you can i i really enjoyed that ability to go out there and, and do that stuff that's awesome and yeah i think i think you hit the nail on the head there too in terms of flexibility i think that was something you were probably looking at um wanting to do something that you could kind of do something different every day and um, I'm sure, like you said, uh, once you kind of were able to see that that really was what that this job would entail, it probably um, helped you to see like, yes, this is what I want to be doing, especially, you know, for right now and, and into the future. Um, so which brings us perfectly to our third section of the podcast, which is how do I get there? So Max, if you were a young person, whether it be high school or college, um, knowing that they wanted your job in five, 10, 15 years, what would you say would be the best next step for them today or even upon graduation? Uh, yeah, it's, I would say getting field, ex field experience early on is best. Um, you know, most jobs are posted through this website called usajobs.gov. And that's when you can, you know, get access to federal agencies that are hiring like mm -hmm. the federal government hiring wildfire related positions um that's usually where you can get the, the most current and the most plentiful job opportunities and just kind of being willing to you know pick up your stuff and move um you know being flexible in terms of your location and where you want to be just knowing that like if you put in you know you suffer a little maybe you not suffer but if you take 80 percent of what you want it's not 100 percent. you know you're not going to get everything but it if you take like that position that's maybe not the most glamorous location or something exactly mm -hmm. what you want to do it'll be better sign you up and set you up for the future um so just getting ex field experience in terms of like working on crews um maybe not getting paid all that great but then just knowing that like that experience will eventually pay off in the end and then simultaneously um through those field jobs you know you'll get training you know you'll get chainsaw certifications you'll get specific wildfire training um so for example like my region is part of the northern rockies coordination group which is under the national wildfire coordination group Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of trainings are held. And the trainings are just the more trainings that you can attain that are nationally accredited, it just helps you better move kind of up the ranks and into that higher pay scale. Oh, that's awesome advice. And I will link that website in the show notes. So if any of you are listening and interested in checking out some of those jobs and getting plugged in in various locations, you can visit that link. Thank you for sharing that, Max. Um, and so to finish out our podcast, we do this thing called rapid fire. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions and try to answer them in five seconds or less. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. First question. What did you want to be when you grew up? Hockey player. Perfect. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, the Emerald Mile. Oh, great. Okay. This one I threw in just for you. What is your favorite national park? Ooh, uh, glacier. Okay. Awesome. Okay. What is your morning beverage of choice? Oh, coffee with eggnog. <laughs> I was just about to say, how do you make your coffee? Do you do eggnog every morning? 
<laughs> no, throughout the fall, but you, coffee for sure. Okay, coffee. So if you're not making it with eggnog, how do you make it? Um, typically like French press style with like okay. a little bit of hazelnut cream. Delicious. You're my kind of coffee guy. That sounds great. And then lastly, what is your number one piece of career advice for someone just leaving school? Ooh, um, diversify your job experience. Work mm. with as many different agencies as you can and see different aspects that they all have to offer. That's perfect advice. I couldn't agree more. Diversification, you know, they always talk about that with your finances. I totally agree for your career as well. And um, Max, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your time and your wisdom with the fourth family. We're so grateful to have you here. And thank you everyone for listening to So What Do You Do? We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at sowhatdoyoudo.podcast. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads and courses, get our weekly emails, Find us on YouTube and get inspired to go forth.